Well, unfortunately, there's no easy fix, is there, to negativity. Being negative is destructive. Being negative can destroy a marriage. It can destroy a family. It can destroy our relationships with our children. And as we saw, if you're watching the news this week, it can destroy, as Don Imus uh, realized, it can destroy your career uh, going negative. And even today, we need to have the realization that going negative can destroy a church. Unfortunately, there's nothing that uh, scientists can do to help us to combat the negativity that is really sometimes something that comes too easily for us. Going negative is something that we all struggle with. It's something that I struggle with. It's something that we all struggle with. It's not an easy uh, situation. Our, our, as we, we think about our world, the realization very quickly is that our world loves the negative, doesn't it? Whether that's the news. I mean, what would, you know, would we have any news if we're not for the, the, negative, uh, the negative kind of news that we, we watch? Or what about the politics? Uh, what would uh, politics be without the, the negativity? Or what about the negative characters in sitcoms? Aren't they the best ones? What about uh, Archie Bunker, the, the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond? He's the real funny guy. Uh, and then Eeyore, you know, even cartoon characters. We love the negative people. We love it in our sports. We love it in our news. We love it in our sitcoms. And what would, of course, country music be? Without the negative songs. The preacher man said it's the end of time. Oh, is that pretty good? Need to encourage me. Preacher man said it's the end of time. The Mississippi River, she's a running dry. The interest is up and the stock market's down. You only get mugged if you go downtown. <laughs> My country music singing debut. We love negativity. It's fun. It's uh, fun to kind of get into that mode at times. This morning we're going to look at what we could probably describe as the consummate professionals in negativity in Scripture. The experts on negativity. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Numbers, the 13th chapter. That's in the Old Testament. It's near the beginning. We're going to look at the 13th and the 14th chapter. And as you're turning there, let me just summarize what was going on in this situation. God had rescued the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt. If you know and love Charlton Heston, you have saw the story. Uh, Charlton Heston, you know, described in the, his movie the and, and showed us what it was as the children of Israel were rescued out of Egypt. God sent a number of plagues. As uh, what's the other guy's name? The bald-headed guy, Yul Brenner, as he goes to Yul Brenner, uh, Pharaoh, and convinces him through a number of plagues that he should let the uh, children of Israel go. And so he leads them, of course God leads and, and Moses is the conduit, leads them then out of Egypt. And they, as they're on their way out of Egypt, the Pharaoh sends his armies after, after Moses and the children of Israel. Uh, he provides for them there and he takes care of that army. He destroys that army. He leads them as a pillar of 
a cloud or a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He provides for them manna in the desert. He provides for them uh, water as they uh, need water, uh, quail as they need meat. Whatever they need, over and over and over, we see in this story that God provides for them. Whatever their needs are. In Numbers 13, then, as we look at this passage, we see that they have now have traveled through the, this, this region. They get to the brink of the Promised Land, to the Jordan River, and they're about to go into the Promised Land. We see at the first of this chapter, God tells Moses to, or God tells Joshua to, to pick a leader from each of the 12 uh, tribes. I'm sorry, God tells Moses to tell, choose a leader from each of the 12 tribes and to send them in to this promised land that he tells them he's going to give them. And they're going to kind of check it out, do a recon mission into this land. And so they go into the land. And this is where we kind of pick up this case study in negativity as we look into these individuals' lives, how the negativity affects them, and how it affects then in turn this entire nation of people. We'll understand some steps that uh, can help us as we battle with this issue that we all struggle with, which is negativity. Because we all understand that life is too short for us to be negative. So here in the 13th chapter, they've gone into the land. Now, as we read through those first few verses, they now are coming out of the, of the land. And look at verse 26. In verse 26, they give a report they uh, show them this fruit that they found that takes two men to carry it on a pole between them. And so they, they tell them about the fruit that they found. They talk about how awesome it is. And then we're hit with a conditional phrase in verse 28. And you always got to watch out for the conditional phrases in Scripture. And in verse 28, you see this conditional little word here, this phrase. And it's the word but. So they describe these this wonderful land, this promised land, and then the spies say, but. But the people who live there are powerful. But the, the cities are huge, and the, the people are more powerful than, than we are. And they go and they talk about how the cities are too strong, about how they are too weak. And we find in verse 33, one of the saddest negative descriptions of God's people, the God's people give themselves in Scripture. And read with me verse 33 when, he, when, they, when the, the spies say, We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So why do we go negative? Why did they go negative? Why do we have a tendency to go negative in life? I think the first reason, if we really understand the situation as we put ourselves into their shoes, the first reason I would throw out to you is fatigue. The reason that they went negative, a reason that we have a tendency to go negative. Think about the situation. Here they were. They had been in this captivity in Egypt. They get out. They're traveling through just one of the most desolate areas of our world. And they're traveling along, they're eating off the land, living off the land, having escaped. They finally get to this promised land. Naturally, they're fatigued. Naturally, they're tired. And here they are on this land, the brink of this land that God has promised them. And as they go to check it out, what they find is that the, 
cities are larger than they thought. The, the, the people that live here, the inhabitants are like giants to them. And what they thought was just going to be easy is not easy. This land was inhabited. And so they're fatigued. And when we're fatigued, we have a tendency to go negative. And what did they do? They went negative. And what do we have a tendency to do when, when we are faced with a situation that we don't have the energy to handle, we have a tendency to go negative, like in marriage. When there's a situation, or there's, an, there's an issue in our marriage, but we're tired, we're worn out. So instead of dealing with that issue like it should be dealt with, the easier thing for us to do is just to go negative. We think about that same thing in our work life. That situation presents itself at work, on the job, and, and it's going to expend a massive amount of energy to deal with it correctly, to process through it, to talk to the people involved, or, or whatever we got to do to work it out. So instead, what do we do? We go negative. When we talk about the situation, we talk about the boss, we talk about uh, the, the people that we work with, we talk about everything that everyone else is doing wrong. And so, again, we have a tendency to go negative. And I know in my own life that when I'm tired... At home, I have this, this tendency to go negative very quickly. So it's a root. It's a root cause. It was a, one of the root things, I think, that was going on in, in uh, the children of Israel, the spies' lives, these people's lives. Also, the second thing I would throw out to us, if you look at verse 9 of chapter 14, and we're going to look at some verses out of both chapter 13 and chapter 14. But here's Joshua and Caleb, and they're talking to these children, children of Israel, to this nation, these people that are gathered there, about the fear that they have. And that's the second thing that I would throw out, as we see in this passage. They were scared. They were, they were afraid that they didn't have the, the, the power, the ability, the wherewithal to win, to defeat their enemies. And so fear is something also that can very quickly cause us to go negative. When we're at work, again, we think about it in terms of our lives. When we're at work and an idea comes up that is going to mean maybe some radical change in our lives. And we fear that. We fear what, what we're going to have to do to make that, to implement that change. And so what do we do? Instead of embracing it, we have a tendency to go negative because we fear it. Here's some few, for those of you who've been around a while, you'll recognize... Recognize this picture. This is uh, the church, our church, when it was down on Crawford Street. In the mid-70s, I'm sure the plans had been laid a lot longer than that, but there was a plan to move the church out here on then what was kind of the edge of town and rebuild to build a large facility, more parking. And I can imagine the, the work that went in, and this is the top picture is kind of opening day. Uh, when, the, when we moved into the church in 1975. And the bottom is just a few years ago when we took another picture. You notice the trees, the different size of the trees. Uh, and you can kind of tell the difference. Um, imagine, I know because I've talked to some of you, thinking back to those days, if you weren't here, thinking back to those days when the church is talking about this move and the fear that that elicited in the hearts and the minds of many that were in the congregation. The fear of, you know... People aren't going to drive out there. Uh, uh, how are we going to pay for that church? Do you know how much money we're spending? How on earth are we going to this church? How are we going to pay for that? We, people, are, people can't walk there. They walk to the church 
on Crawford Street, there's no way that, that they're going to get in a car and drive out there. Some of those people don't even have cars. How in the world are we ever going to pay for that place? How in the world? And so what do we have a tendency to do? What we fear, we fear change. And what we fear, we have a tendency then to go negative on. third thing that I think influences this negativity that we all face is just the reality that we were born that way. True? Do we not have a have just a, a natural inclination in life to just go negative? To just start thinking about the negative. The ten spies, they, they go into the land, they're looking around, there's 12 of them, but the 10 of them, and they're looking around, and what's the conclusion? They have a natural tendency to go negative, and that's what they did. They go back to the people, their comrades, and they share the story, and they share all this negativity, and, and Joshua and Caleb are saying, but no, no, we can take them, we can do this, God's on our side, we can take this land if He is with us. And so... The natural tendency is to go to the negative. And so, very simply, not only fatigue and fear, but just that we are just born born negative. And we have that natural tendency to go negative. Now, what are the, maybe the consequences of going negative? If you look at the price that the children of Israel paid, the definite price they paid, look and turn with me in the 14th chapter, the 21st verse, and let's look at it together. It says, nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills this whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land that I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. In other words, in other words, no one that has griped and complained and gone negative and, and doubted me, not one of you will see this land that I promised. As a result of going negative, an entire generation paid the price. And we pay a price when we go negative because life is too short to go negative. And the first thing that we pay, or way they paid and we pay, is the loss of vision. We look at this in the story, they made a decision to go negative. And when they made that decision, they lost their vision. The vision of entering this promised land, this, this land that, that God uh, was going to give them. Imagine traveling through the desert. Imagine the conversations as they're, as they're walking along, talking about what it's going to be like when we get there. And the vision that they had and the dreams that they had together. They'd been in captivity and now we're going to be free and, and this land's going to be ours and all of those things. But, but when they go negative, they lost that vision. And instead of a vision of this land that they've been given, now their vision is of giants that are too great, of of walled cities that are too massive to penetrate. And so, whereas they had this great vision of their future, now it's been destroyed. And when we go negative, going negative destroys our future, destroys our vision in our career, destroys our vision in our families, destroys our vision for our marriages, and it can destroy our vision for our church when we go negative. Another, another consequence that I would throw out, if you look at verse 26, 
of going negative is that people, other people, get hurt when we go negative. Imagine again the excitement of everybody. These 12 spies have gone into the land. And it's been 40 days. So for 40 days, they're, they're hanging out in this, you know, camped out, waiting for these spies to come back. Imagine the excitement in the camp as these guys were checking out this land. And they're just wondering about what it's going to be like. And in verse 26, it says that they reported back to the whole assembly. In this land that they dreamed of in their captivity and as they're traveling as, they, as they're traveling there through the desert. And then they begin to hear about what it's like. And they see this. Imagine as they see this fruit. That two men are having to carry between a pole. And they see the fruit. And they're beginning to hear the reports of, of how awesome it is. And then notice the effect. Remember that conditional clause. Where they say but. But. And then they describe what, was, what their opinion of the land was. And notice the negative effect on the rest of the people. Here are these ten guys that cause an entire nation to lose the opportunity to go into the promised land. Ten guys who hurt this entire nation. Other people get hurt when we go negative. Look at verse 30. In verse 30, Caleb then stands up. These guys describe the negative and then Caleb stands up and what does he say? He says, guys, we can take this land. We can do it. We can be victorious. Imagine the other ten standing up and telling Caleb to sit down. You know what you're talking about. And then the experts talk. And in verse 31, the experts, the negative, consummate professionals of negativity, stand up and address the crowd. But the men who've gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, who are the descendants of Anak. And they are the giants, in other words. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. In chapter 14, we see the results of their negativity. We see the effects of... We see it how it affected this entire, this entire nation. Look at verse 1. What do they begin to do? They begin to raise their voices and they begin to weep. They begin to cry. In verse 2 it says that they begin to grumble against the leadership. And so the negativity not only affects them, negativity hurts people, it hurt the leaders. As they're, they're just talking about, hey, let's stone these guys, let's find a new leader, let's go back to Egypt. And so they begin to wish even back to their days of captivity before. Negativity is impossible to keep to ourselves. When we go negative, it just has a natural tendency to leak out. Look at what it says that they did in verse 32. It says that they spread a bad report. As a result of their cancerous activity and negativity that led to an entire generation missing the promised land. There's something that we've talked about before. It's the idea of triangulation. Triangulation is when 
one person has an issue with another person or one person has an issue with a with a with a situation or whatever and instead of as matthew says to go to that person and deal with it and work out that situation what triangulation does instead of going to that person this person over here goes up and talks to this person over here this group of people over here that have nothing to do with what's going on down here and when we go negative and when we triangulate and when we instead of taking care of the situation here like Matthew tells us to go and do, when we go up here and we talk to this person that has nothing to do with this down here, then we plant in their minds and in their hearts and in their lives this negativity. So we give birth in their life to this whole negative thing. Instead of dealing with it here, we instead, because we're lazy and because of our fatigue and our fear or whatever it is that because that's just kind of the way we are, we triangulate. And when we triangulate, we plant a seed that hurts that person and hurts these people because we're not dealing with the issue. The other thing that I would throw out that happens as a result of our negativity is a loss of opportunity. And we see that in their lives. We look at this passage and when we understand what has been going on, they were in Egypt and they were in captivity and they've been set free. And so we have the whole, the ten plagues and we have the, the, the Red Sea and we have the manna and we have all these ways that God's provided over and over and over. And like every time that God does something awesome, they begin to gripe and go negative. And God gives them another chance. And he reminds them again of his faithfulness. And then he's going to take care of them. And again, what do they do? They go negative. And over and over and over. God does something awesome, they go negative. God does something awesome, they go negative. And so here we are at the brink of this promised land. And now here again, they go negative. And so the result was a loss of opportunity as for 40 years then they have to wander around and miss the promised land. In Psalm 81, verses 11 and 12, it says this about this, God's talking about his this children of Israel, this nation. And he says of them, kind of summing up their whole history, he says this, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Friend, heaven help us when we continue over and over and over to go negative on God and he finally says, okay, I'll just give you over to your stubborn hearts. Heaven help us. Heaven help the marriage that God does it for. Help, heaven help the, the family. Heaven help the church that loses the opportunity because over and over and over they doubt the power of God. They doubt that God is able. They doubt that God is big enough or strong enough or great enough or faithful enough to intervene in whatever the situation is. And so we see the scars as a result. What happens in a family when we choose to go negative over and over and over? What happens in a child's life when we as a parent choose in that child's life to over and over and over to speak negative into that child. What happens to a spouse when we choose to speak over and over and over negative into that spouse's life? What happens on the job 
when we are the one that always is negative, when we, what happens to our career? There is a loss of opportunity for that child, for that marriage, for our career, and again, for the church, where we continue and continue and continue to go negative. Now, how do we overcome this tendency that we all have to go negative? Well, the first thing we need to do is acknowledge that we have a problem. Any uh, 12-step program, the first step is, any recovery program, one of the key steps is, first, you have to realize you got a problem. If you're going to overcome something, you got to realize you got a problem. If we're going to overcome negativity, we have to realize that we have a problem. And not just realize that we have a problem, but also we must realize and acknowledge that for a child of God, it is not acceptable to live our lives always looking at the negative. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Exactly. The scripture says in Philippians 4.8, Paul talking, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's not acceptable. For us to go through life with an Eeyore attitude. As a child of God. On the brink of the promised land. The second thing that we need to do. First we need to acknowledge we've got a problem. And acknowledge it's not acceptable. The second thing we need to do is. uh, This is just a bit of advice. Hang out with some positive people. Find some positive people in life. And hang out with them. Uh, In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, if you hang out with negative people all the time, and that's all you associate with, then you're going to be negative. Bad company corrupts good character. That's just reality. And so what do you think would happen if you began to hang out with people that had a little more positive bent on life. Would that not be helpful? Now, that's not to say that, that, you don't, you, that you need to avoid negative people, that you need to not have negative people in your life. Because, you know what? We need to help them. We don't need to become like them. We need to help them. Help them realize that life is too short to be negative. And so... We need to hang out with some positive people. The third thing I would say, just a bit of advice in order to combat this going negative, is to limit our self-talk. Now, self-talk is what we do through the day. We're going through life, and it's that internal, one-sided conversation that we have with ourselves about things that are going on. Like you're at the, you're, um, you're standing at the checkout lane. And you've chosen which lane to be in and you think it's going to be faster and you are standing there and all the other ones are moving faster and you're in a hurry. And this internal self-talk is what you say to yourself about the checkout guy. How could someone so incompetent and so, you know, and we just kind of have that self-talk and we're smiling to everybody. But inside we're thinking about how how could they hire such someone of such limited mental capacity And then the people in front of us, we're thinking about, 
well, why in the world do they need to buy that? And why, why do they need to have all of those things? And that lady doesn't need to be eating that. She needs to be eating a little healthier. And, and we're thinking, you know, we're, it's that, it's that negative self-talk and, and we're smiling and, and we're just loving life on the outside. But on the inside, we got all this negative self-talk going on or what happens when we're in a car and a person pulls out in front of us, all of those things, that's negative self-talk. Now, am I preaching to the choir? Does that, or is that just me? Am I just talking about my own life? We need to limit, limit our self-talk. Let's think about worship this morning. What's our self-talk? What was your self-talk as worship is happening? As your opportunity to engage the living God in worship? What was your self-talk? Did you lose the opportunity to connect in worship? The loss of vision, the loss of opportunity. And so if we limit our self-talk, we train ourselves to limit our self-talk and not focus on those negative thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says this, the second part of it. And we take every and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So to make the decision that I'm going to take captive my thoughts. My self-talk, I'm going to limit my negative self-talk. And I'm going to take it captive instead. And then finally, we need to get a God-sized perspective. Look at the example of Joshua and Caleb. And in in their example, we see that they had a God-sized perspective. Look at verse 30. What does Caleb say? Everybody's being negative. And Caleb, with his God-sized perspective, stands up and says, We should go up and take possession of the Lamb, for we can certainly do it. With the addendum, with God's help. We can certainly do it. Look at chapter 14. In chapter 14, in verses uh, 7 through 9, he says this. And, uh, you know, everybody's being negative. And then Joshua and Caleb stand up. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. What a perspective. Man, just turn me loose, Joshua and Caleb. The two of us will go. You guys want to stay here? Whatever. With God's help, we can do it. That is a God-sized perspective. And so when it comes to, for instance, our marriage, we can go negative about everything that's wrong, about everything that's never going to be like we think it's going to be, or we can get a God-sized perspective and believe that with God's help, it could be different. Or what about with our children? We, could, we can go negative and we can, we can go down that path and we can just camp out there. Or we can, even no matter what's going on, we can, we can think positive that God, with your help, they could change. With your help, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek your face and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on my knees for them. Instead of just giving up. Or what about our church? Instead of going negative, 
to have the perspective that with God's help, with God with us, there is nothing that we cannot accomplish together. Joshua 24, I want to encourage you to turn to the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua, just a little bit past where you're at. And I want you to kind of put your thumb in this or maybe mark it in some way. And later on today, I want you to take this chapter, chapter 24, or maybe sometime this week, and I want you to read it. In this 24th chapter, what we have is Joshua saying farewell, and basically there's going to be a new leader. And he just just talks about how awesome God is and about all that God has done in this 24th chapter for them. About how he, you know, you, you, you sent a leader to us and, 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 and you, you worked through those leaders, Moses and Aaron, and, and we got freed from, from Egypt. And you, 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 at the Red Sea, you performed miracles and you destroyed those guys. And you, you went before us. And when we had difficulties, you helped us with these people, the Pezerites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the, all these ites. You went before us and you drove them out in front of us. And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on and he talks about how awesome God you are. And the reality is that God had done all those awesome things over and over and over. And he had showed himself faithful to them. But instead of believing, instead of having faith, what did they do? They made a conscious choice to go negative. They responded to God's faithfulness to them by going negative, by doubting God, and they never realized the potential that God had for them. On the other hand, if you turn to the New Testament, there's a great record of the events of the Apostle Paul's life. And he records for us some of the things that happened in his life. He talks about, I've been in prison, I've been flogged, I've been exposed to death, and again and again, go to the next screen, I've, I've received, uh, I've been lashed, 40 minus the one that he's been beaten, he talks about, I've been beaten with rods, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked three times, I spent a night and day, day in the open sea, I've been constantly on the move, in danger, in rivers, and bandits, and country, in danger this, danger that, and then the last, uh, I've toiled, I've labored, I've gone without food, I've been cold, I've been naked, if anybody has the opportunity to sit down and have a pity party, woe is me, and go negative, it was Paul. But what do we see? The Apostle Paul chained to a cell in Philippians. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And what does he say? We get in a slow checkout lane and we go negative. Somebody pulls out in front of us and we go negative. What You know, little things happen and we go negative. Here's the Apostle Paul. All these things had gone on in his life. He's chained in a prison cell after faithfully serving God. And yet, what does he write to the church at Philippi? He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul chose in the midst of terrible circumstances to stay positive. And today, we have a choice. We have a choice of how we're going to walk through life. Will we walk through life following the footsteps of a nation that doubted that died in the desert, that their graves are unmarked, 
No one knows where they're at exactly. And ten spies that we can't name one of their names. Or will we walk in the footsteps of the Joshua's and the Caleb's and the Apostle Paul's who when life came at them, they said, you know, God, with your help, we can take the promised land. God, even though I'm chained to this prison and whatever your prison is that you're chained to, yet whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is trustworthy, I'm going to think about those things. And so the choice, friend, is ours. And I would just say to you that life is too short. To go negative. Let's stand. Father, God, you are so awesome and you are so good to us. And Father, we are your children and we have been following you. And as we follow you, God, we know that through life, that over and over and over again, you show us your faithfulness. And even today, God, as you As we come into this place, God, we are reminded again as we've sung, as we've worshipped, as we've we've been together, we've looked at your word, God, we are reminded, Father, of your goodness and your mercy and your long-suffering. And we could go on and on and on about how awesome, God, you are. And we think about our lives and how you have been with us and how you are with us. And today, Father, I pray as we would respond as we sing a verse together of I surrender all as we sing this song God together God I pray that you would that you would help us to realize how good we have it with you as our God and even no matter what prison cell we happen to be chained in possibly today that God there is still a promised land awaiting us if we will just believe and not doubt and have faith so Father If it's a marriage, if it's a career, if it's with our children, if it's a physical ailment, whatever it is, God, today, I pray that you would help us to realize that life is too short to go negative. And God, in the midst of whatever is going on, that we can say with you, I give it all to you, God. I follow you, God. Father, help me to be positive in this situation and get through it with your help. Father, speak to our hearts now. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you have a need this morning, if you'd like to come and pray with us at an altar, these altars are open. We'd love to pray with you. If you have a need, if you are chained, if you are on the brink of the promised land, you don't feel like you're ever going to get across, God loves you. God has a plan for you, has a purpose for you. Why don't you come and let us pray with you today as we sing. Trust you.